Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, once again going solo. Um, JD and I just had another scheduling conflict. It's It happens. Um, we'll hopefully have something for you later this week um, talking about the actual conference finals. Um, but I did want to give a little update since it's been a while and a lot has happened <laughs> since the last time we've talked. Um, where to begin? I guess I'll start with the awards, and there's been a ton since um, the last time we convened. I, I might as well start with the big one. MVP, Joel Embiid. Um, JD had Jokic the last time we talked winning MVP. I don't know if he switched over to Embiid. I wouldn't be surprised if he did because Jokic did not close the season. JD and I did our awards pod in March, and after that point in March, Jokic did not have a particularly inspired close to the season. Um, but Embiid definitely deserved MVP. Now, I will. I have some thoughts on the Eastern Conference playoffs. I will save those for a little bit. But Embiid, um, torrid regular season. I mean, listen, he deserved an MVP at some point. He's been one of the five best players in the league for the past couple of years. Five, six best players in the league for the last couple of years. I don't really think it's up for dispute. Um, he de- definitely deserved an MVP. I don't think Philly's in this spot without him. Now, again, I, I have some thoughts on Joel Embiid. I will save those for when I actually talk about the playoffs. Um, Rookie of the Year was announced during the interim period. Uh, Paolo Bancaro, no surprise. I mean, literally no surprise. I think he we got 99 out of 100 votes for Rookie of the Year. I don't. There was no dispute. He averaged 20 points a game for a team that was average. Um, Jalen Williams was a really good rookie <laughs> really really good um but it was not he the difference between averaging 20 points being the number one option versus being i i think jalen williams i'm going to go out on the limb and say at best he was 2.5 him and giddy split 2.5 um I, I just more comfortable giving my rookie of the year to the guy who is, you know, the first option and then most improved um, Larry Markin. And that one was a slam dunk. I mean, some years, you know, the criteria is murky. This one, he fit all the criteria. Um, no shocker there. Then for the teams. OK, so we got Paolo Bancaro. Um, for all rookie. I'll start with all rookie. Paolo Bancaro, Jalen Williams, Walker Kessler. Keegan Murray, Benedict Matherin. Um, that honestly, I think was my first team pick for pick. Um, I I don't dispute any of those picks. Um, all those guys had really good seasons. This is a really promising rookie class that we just had. Then second team, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Jabari Smith, Jeremy Sohan, Tari Eason. You honestly, second team, um, Sohan, honestly, to me, just a little overrated. I don't know. But then it's like you go through the list of guys. AJ Griffin didn't really play a ton. Mark Williams didn't play a ton. Guys I liked more than him didn't play more than him. So I understand the impetus with going Sohan over those guys. But I'll take those guys over Sohan. But I'm not mad at him getting the nod over those guys. Um, 
again, I like Christian Brown more than him, but again, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. There's a lot of rookies I liked from this class. Um, Jabari Smith, I, I just want to say something real quick. The way he closed the season was super duper promising. You get him a lead guard that will actually set him up, like put him in a position to succeed. And it could be lights out like he he has something and he closed the season strong. Now, again, I will put my usual caveat. Don't factor in March success like too heavily into what you um, what you're looking at here. But. It's. It's still promising for what you're looking at. Um, All defense. Let's go ahead and move to all defense. This one was tough. JD and I, we were going to do a pot on this, but it was it was hard to get around to it. Um, so Jaron Jackson, defensive player of the year, had the most votes. Um, Evan Mobley was the other forward. Drew Holiday um, and Alex Caruso were the guards. Brooke Lopez was the center. And then for the second team, we have Derek White and Dylan Brooks as the guards. We have Draymond Green and OG as the, the forwards and Bam Adebayo as the center. Um, Honestly, you could for the forward spots, you could have gone about 17 different directions. Jaden McDaniels um, snubbed. Um, that would that's honestly my only like real gripe with this list. But I think this is the spot that needs to go positionless. And truth be told, and this isn't so much a gripe about guards. Finding in my mind, in my eyes, mind, Dylan Brooks is more a forward than a guard, but he guards guards more than he guards forwards. And when I'm thinking about the Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks is, or Desmond Bain's the two. Dylan Brooks is the three. Now, Dylan Brooks, <laughs> I think when I finished recording that last monologue, um, was summarily told that he will not be welcome back to the, um, to the Grizzlies next year, which is hilarious. But, um, I mean, Derek White, good selection. Alex Caruso, I think I would have switched Alex Caruso and Derek White. But I can't really be mad at these selections. Um, it's, a, it's a good list. I, I think if I had to boot one, I, I just would have booted probably Draymond for Jaden McDaniels. As crazy as it is to say, Draymond was a crazy impactful player in the postseason defense. But, I, you know, Jaden McDaniels to me was like a linchpin for the Minnesota defense and Minnesota's defense was really good. Um, but other than that, I can't be too mad at, at it. Now onto the granddaddy of them all. The most, I'd say probably the most important um, award in the league. And that's all NBA. And the reason I say it's the most important, um, the Rose rule. <laughs> and there are some people who were seriously affected by this. And one person who was affected by this <laughs> is um, probably going to miss a good amount of time next year, and we'll talk about that in a second. But first team, um, the guards were SGA and Luca. Um, honestly, I don't think I had either of them first team. I think I had the second team guards first team, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, Giannis and Tatum first team, and then Embiid first team. I mean, if you had Embiid or Jokic MVP, that's probably who you had as your first team center. Um, and then second team, Curry and Mitchell for the guards, Butler and Brown for the forwards, Jokic for the center. Um, <laughs> next year, when Jokic and Embiid can be on the first team, I'm curious to see if it's just one guard. 
on the first team because honestly, Tatum, Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic are all first team players. So that leaves one spot. <laughs> one spot for when, because next year it's going to be all positionless for the all NBA spots. So I'll be really, really curious to see who gets snubbed. And I'm, I'm assuming that all those guys make all NBA first team next year. Who knows? I who's to say they do, but man, I, I think those were the four all NBA first team locks. Um, and then third team, third team, you got Sabonis at the center, Fox and Lillard at the guards, and then Randall and James and LeBron at the forward. Um, LeBron was an interesting selection. Um, I personally would not have voted him all NBA, but I probably would have tried to slide Anthony Davis on to third team all center and tried to slide another forward. And the problem is the forward class for this year was so weak. Um, I don't even know if Jimmy Butler deserved to make it <laughs> based on the games played. Um, but on the other hand, so let, let's look at the other forwards re- receiving votes. So Larry Markinen, um was the biggest forward snub you could probably say. Um, and he got only 49 votes. Kevin Durant was the next one. It goes to show how little um, how little belief people had in these forwards. Pascal Siakam, Kawhi got as many votes as Siakam. Um, Anthony Edwards got 14 votes at forward. I honestly, if he was eligible at forward, I don't know why he wasn't a forward. I would have gone with Anthony Edwards over LeBron. Or Julius Randle, quite frankly. I mean, he had a better year than both of those guys. I mean, defensively, offensively. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I This forward class was really weak. And I just don't think... Listen, look, congratulations to LeBron for probably making his last All-NBA team. Based on the game's player requirement, there's no way he'll make it next year. Unless he wills his way to 65 games. Um, I, I just don't see it, but shout out to him um, for making all NBA. I don't think that's what he cares about the most. We'll talk about his other big accomplishment this year. Um, what he did, he's going to be he's going to be in the conference finals, which I'm sure he cares about a lot more, um, you know, getting the number five is it i think he probably cares about that more but um in any event let me let me talk about the east actually let me talk about the coaches who've been fired and i gotta start with bud who i believe was fired i think two things happened right after i finished recording my last monologue um dylan, the dylan brooks thing which i talked about and then budenholzer was summarily fired i don't think even i think while i was recording the monologue i don't really like to check my phone while I'm recording these, I'm going to make sure I check it today because there's a good chance um, we have a coach firing while I'm talking today. Um, there's the way the Bucks lost that series was tough, and I won't deny that. Um, that being said, <laughs> it was firing him was pretty rough. Um, especially after the news that his brother passed away. I think I talked about that on the episode. And the fact that he totally transformed that Bucks team. 
I, there's a lot of bad with Budenholzer. Don't get me wrong. But in his instance, I would argue the the good almost outweighed the bad. I mean, he was a good coach. He's a really damn good coach. And now is he, you know, the best coach ever? No. But he's probably like a top, I don't know, 15 coach. He's definitely disrespected. Um, He's a coach. He's like Mark Jackson if Mark Jackson was like 10 times better. What Mark Jackson did for the Warriors, I mean, he got the Bucks a title. He elevated that Hawks team to 60 wins. That's not a slouch coach. But what he can't do is I don't think he can get you to the mountaintop. He can get you to the precipice. Um, but he can't get you over the hump. And I think that was his ultimate downfall. And he was great for what he was. He took Giannis to another level. He got Chris Middleton to another level. He he basically changed Brooke Lopez's game for the better. Um, but now they just need someone who will take the, what he did and adjust, right? And I've seen them link to a lot of different coaches. Um, Ty Lue, I'd love for them. There's another coach I'll talk about in a second. I would not love for them. Um, but I think that, honestly, give me, you know, I think Nurse would be really good for them because he's a tinkerer. He's a guy who shifts his lineups. And I think he's a guy who can make stuff happen for them. But the other coach who was fired, and this will be a leaping off point, I, I, I'll, I'll leap into this series after this. Um, the other guy who was fired was Monty Williams. And truth be told, a lot of people were like, why, oh, why was he fired? Why was he fired? I'll tell you why he was fired. First, there's two reasons why. The main and biggest reason why was that he, um, you know, new owner, right? New owner comes in, wants his guy, right? Preferably. Um, the owner came in in February. He didn't hire this front office. He didn't hire his, this coach. Coach is always the first one to go, right? Front office will always have a chance to prove itself before the coach does, first and foremost. Second reason, I would argue almost as important, um, two embarrassing losses in elimination games at home in back-to-back playoffs. Now, this one you can justify a little more. Game seven last year was totally unjustifiable in every way, shape, and form. But this year, you, you, could, you could justify a little bit. Oh, I'm missing two key rotation pieces. Um, but it was an embarrassing effort in game six. And I'll talk, I'll talk about it more. But I don't think it's unjustifiable why he was fired. Would I have done it? Probably not. But I saw a report from Shams before I got on this morning that Katie and Booker both signed off on it before it happened. So clearly... They sign off on the firing before it happened. So clearly there's some buy-in from your stars like, oh, hey, we're not a fan of this coach. We think it's okay to kick him to the curb. Kick him to the curb might be a little bit strong, but you probably see where I'm coming from. Um, I think that Monty is a good coach, right? And I, let me just go ahead and let me actually just start talking about the... um. The Nuggets series. So when we left off, I think I recorded after game two. They was up 2-0. Now the Nuggets did lose the next two in Phoenix. Um, Booker went incandescent in Phoenix. I think he missed eight total shots. 
um, the next two games. But the Suns won 121-114 in Game 3, 129-124 in Game 4. Then the Nuggets bounced back to win 118-102 in Denver. And then in Game 6, 125-100, and the game wasn't even that close. Um, I understand your team is top-heavy, Monty. I understand. The problem is you have to show up. And you, you're, you have to get your other guys to play. Now, campaign in Game 6 did show up to play. <laughs> Right. But the the problem is your defense was atrocious before you couldn't get stopped before you made when you had a defensive player of the year candidate last year on your team in Mikhail Bridges. Now you can't now you like can't get stops at all. Um and Jokic is impossible to stop. Jokic had thirty four and a half points a game, thirteen rebounds, ten assists. In the series, he shot 60% from the field, 44% from three. Um, got to the free throw line seven times a game almost, which is a good amount for him. He was unstoppable in this series, and he had a 53-point game in the game, that, in the game they lost by five. <laughs> okay, he could not be stopped. My overarching point is with Monty. Um... He's not the guy, I think, to elevate them into the next level they're going to be. I, my overarching thought with Monty always was he's a really like I never thought he was a bad coach. Um, that Suns team in 21 was by far the best team he's ever been given. I don't really think like I think that Suns team is better than this Suns team with KD because this Suns team has no depth. <laughs> This Suns team is kind of like the 11 Heat, I think, where they need they needed to lose because you needed to expose all the holes in the roster, right? Um, Landry Shamit ended up playing a lot bigger role than he needed to. Um, DeAndre Ayton <laughs> was absolute garbage in this series. Um, 11 points a game, eight rebounds. Um, how many fouls did he have? 20. <laughs> so that's it's not as many fouls as you would think. He was not good in this series. And I guess 20 fouls in five games is four fouls a game. Still, the point stands. Um, KD was not great in the series. He was good in the Clipper series. But I think unless we see a, a more balanced approach from the Suns next year, I don't think we're going to see 2021 KD again. And that's okay. He's going to be 35 next year. You know, I don't think we're going to need to see that if they have a more balanced approach. I think Booker, I think my main takeaway from the Suns postseason is that Booker is that guy now. Um, I mean, 31 points, eight assists in this series. Now, he dribbles the air out of the ball a little too much for my liking. He's not like a natural playmaker. They need an initiator of some sort, right? Like prime Ricky Rubio would be good on this team. But they don't, the prime Ricky Rubio is not really around anymore. Like, Mike Conley would be good on this team. The problem is, is that those kind of point guards aren't in vogue anymore. Tyus Jones, honestly, if they could get Tyus Jones somehow, they're not going to snag him from the Grizzlies. But if they could just get a distributor like that, just someone who's intent, who's not intent on scoring, but knows how to set people up. I mean, TJ McConnell, someone like that, someone who doesn't need the ball, but can 
knows what to do when he's not on the ball and can, you know, knows how to swing it, knows how to do that kind of stuff. Because Booker's not natural, that kind of stuff, but he, when he's trapped, he knows how to make the right read. He knows how to do that, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, he's, at this point, he's a top seven, eight player in the league. I don't really think we can dispute it anymore. After coming out of these playoffs, I think my top's eight right now. Just gonna go eight. Because Luca, man, I, I didn't, let me, let me just circle back to all NBA real quick. I understand he put up great numbers, but, Missing the playoffs and making All-NBA, that's that's embarrassing. It just is. He should not have made All-NBA, let alone All-NBA all third team, whatever. Um, All-NBA first team, when Donovan Mitchell took the Cavs to a four seed and had not the same numbers, but the numbers weren't that far off. It's not like it's the difference between, you know, prime Michael Jordan and prime, you know, Mark Price. <laughs> You know, it's not like we're talking that difference in stats. I'm mean, not to say Mark Price was a scrub, but Mark Price was no Michael Jordan. You know, um, I don't understand how Luca wasn't punished for not making the playoffs. It's when De'Aaron Fox took the Kings to a third seed. I honestly, the solution was push Fox up a team, have the third team. Have push, I mean, you could have pushed Curry up a team too. SGA, I mean, he missed the playoffs too. I mean, you could have thought he was going to make the playoffs. He had a great season. Anyway, back back to what I was saying. Um, the Suns, a distributor should be top of mind for them because Chris Paul, bless his heart, he still thinks he's that guy. In two games, he took 10 shots a game. And he, he should not be taking 10 shots a game. I'm sorry, not at this point of his career. Um, He had a good shooting game in game two. And that was his only saving grace of him getting up to miraculously 43% from the field. Um, He's cooked. I'm sorry, but he's done. He, he And I don't think he's going to be like a guy who's going to want to come off the bench for some... I don't think so. If they can swing like a, I've seen them connected to Fred Van Vliet. I've seen them connected to which wouldn't, which I think would honestly be an ideal get for them on both sides of the ball. Um, but I don't know why. I mean, Van Vliet is a was an unrestricted free agent. So if, if you do a sign and trade, I think it would behoove the Raptors to try. And honestly, it might not be the worst because then uh, I don't know. I'm kind of talking myself in and out of it simultaneously. Um. You need to bolster your front line. You need to bolster your um, bolster your backcourt. And Aiton and Paul, they just gotta go. Aiton can't. Aiton's clearly quit on the Suns. There's just no doubt in my mind. Um, he's not bought in for this team anymore. And listen, you know, the level of buy-in he had in 21 to taking a lesser role. I understand why JD was never a big fan, but. Man, he he's playing with so much more aggression back then. He was playing with so much more oomph back then. Now he's just playing so soft. And Jokic just absolutely destroyed him. Jokic, I mean, he didn't... There's a common misconception that in 21, Aiden kind of stopped Jokic. I wouldn't say that was the case. Um... 
but this year he totally flambeed him. It just wasn't really even a question as to who was dominating who in this in this run. It was I was all Jokic. Um, having Murray and Porter healthy turns out was is a pretty massive difference. Now Porter was healthy in twenty one, but he wasn't this guy. Um, and Porter, by the way, I just want to say his defense is like he's not a great on ball defender. But off the ball, he's so disruptive. He gets stuff done. Um, he hangs around on the weak side. He's not like a ideal defender. I wouldn't be like I wouldn't come up with him in a lab and be like, here you go, here's a um here's your ideal defensive player. But for what his skill set is, his defensive ability where it's at now, I'd say is perfectly suited for his caliber of player, if that makes sense. Um He's a guy that is invaluable to this Nuggets team, but they also have this Nuggets team is so good because they have Bruce Brown, who came in and played killer defense on KD. They have Aaron Gordon, who also played killer defense on KD. They have KCP, who, bless his heart, <laughs> was getting cooked by Booker, but it wasn't anything he could do. Booker's just on that level now. Um, KCP is probably a top perimeter defender in this league, and still. There's just nothing he could do about it. By the way, that's like I would never awarded a Nuggets player with all defense. Um, he's a guy I thought about though. Um, and Caleb Martin too for guard. But again, that just goes to show how hard the guard spot was for all defense this year. But I mean, the Nuggets team, Jokic gives them an unstoppable offense. Just an absolutely like it's so efficient, so backbreaking it's it's impossible to stop just you cannot stop it and Jokic is at the heart of that Murray um 25 points a game on 45 percent from the field 36 percent from three um missed two free throws the entire series I'm not saying he's that guy because he had a couple stinkers of a series but he he showed up in the biggest spots and he's one thing I always appreciate about Murray going back to like 2019 he is not scared of a big free throw. He will make he will take and make a big free throw. And that's something you want in your star players like that. And I'm telling you this team, I think the Nuggets right now are my championship favorite. I I just really like them. I think they got what it takes to win it all. Um before I get to the Lakers series, let me weave in my East commentary. Because I got some thoughts on the East. Um, let me let me get started on. Um, I think I'll I'll start with Knicks Heat because I don't got as much to say on that. Um, the Knicks, Jalen Brunson, what a player! That's thirty-one points, five rebounds, six assists. Um, fifty percent, thirty-five from three. 89% from the free throw line, getting to the free throw line eight times a game, seven. Pretty good. Um, he did a lot of heavy lifting. RJ Barrett was really good in this series, too. Um, not as good shooting as he did in the Cavs series, but I mean, 21 points a game. I mean, listen, I will never sell my RJ Barrett stock, and this is why he's a little inconsistent, but. Um, this is why I'll never sell my RJ Barrett stock. 
I just have to say for all you people, first of all, Julius Randle, um, 82 game player. If I ever saw one, he just, what he does in the regular season just can't be replicated in the playoffs because he doesn't have that burst to get by people. He can do it in the regular season, but when you can play tougher defense in the playoffs, it just, it just doesn't translate. And then Josh Hart, do you want to know why Josh Hart isn't a Portland Trailblazer anymore? <laughs> this last series was why. Um, five for 21 from three. Meaning he didn't shoot them very much. And when he did, they were bricks. Okay? Bless his heart. But there's a reason why um, he was shopped. He's been shopped around so much. And he got a lot of hype after the last series. Also, Jimmy Butler. Um, not as good as he was in the first series. Three-point shooting, he barely shot any threes in this series, but still 25 points a game, seven rebounds, six assists, um, 1.6 steals, 1.2 blocks, and he he didn't even play game two. Um, I think he's going to be a big-time problem for the Celtics. And Bam also, one of his best playoff series to date, 19 rebounds, 10, or 19, <laughs> 19 points, 10 rebounds. Um, yeah, I think the Heat are going to be a real problem for the uh, Celtics. JD does too. And by the way, the Celtics um, beat the 76ers in seven games. And I think Doc Rivers is going to be fired. Um, the question is when, not if. Embarrassing performance by the Sixers in game set. First half wasn't embarrassing. Second half, though, um, the Celtics, by my math, outscored them 57. Or sorry, no. Yeah, 57 to 33. So that's a lot of points. So um, Jason Tatum had 51 and 13. That's pretty good in an elimination game. He was pretty up and down the whole series, but he showed out in that huge game. Um, I thought he was the best player in the whole series through the course of it. And listen, they Maury's tried since he's gotten there. Either it's the players or it's the coach. And I don't think they're going to be inclined to get rid of Embiid. Now, if Harden goes, they're screwed. <laughs> they are screwed. But I think, um, man, Harden for the series, 22 points a game, 6.6 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals. The numbers look a lot better than what the actual on-court product was. If you take out those two games, it's pretty ugly. Um, Embiid also had a bad series again. And again, you could point out the injuries, but if you're out there playing, I'm sorry, I just can't give you that excuse. Like, if you're out there and you're playing, um, I'm not going to give you that benefit of the doubt. Maxi, Maxi comes away looking like a bright spot every playoff series. Um, and then Tobias Harris... Again, I can criticize him all I want, but he at least goes down swinging, which I respect. I can't say the same about Hart. So, um, I'm going to probably go Celtics in seven, but it's going to be tough. JD, I think, is going to go Heat. JD, <laughs> I was asking JD for um, predictions yesterday, and I asked him before the um, game seven started, and he's like, it doesn't matter. I'm picking the Heat. I don't know how many games he's picking them in, but he said they got the best player. Um... I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I mean, it's close. You can convince me either way. And then they got the guy who's, you know, they got the better coach. I mean, was Spolstra is going to 
coach circles around Missoula. That is one thing for sure. He was going to coach circles around Doc. He's going to coach circles around Missoula. Doc was coaching circles around Missoula. Um, I think this series just just real quick because I've not been one. I've not been shy about my Doc. I'm not going to say distaste, <laughs> but I haven't cared for him. I think this series saved Doc Rivers' career um, because he's probably going to get fired. But I think he was probably going to go back to TV. Um, he's really charismatic on TV, so I wouldn't, you know, him going back to TV wouldn't be shocking. But I think this he did such a great job coaching in this series that I wouldn't be surprised someone would snack him up like immediately. Now, again, it could be he was, you know, you could say, oh, he was outgunned by Missoula. No, I don't think he was. I think a lot of what happened in game seven wasn't his fault for once. <laughs> for once. I think a lot of it was on Embiid. A lot of it was on Harden. Embiid seems to skate a lot when it comes to these for lack of a better term, like everyone gets blamed but him. You know, and and beat is really charming. Like like Doc. But Doc always gets a lot of blame. Doc, I mean, we caught on, right? You blame, you know, one you you fail one time, you know, oh it's Doc, haha. You fail seventeen times, oh it's Doc, he needs to get fired. Um Harden we stopped giving heart. We didn't. We never liked Harden, <laughs> but Harden's not the charming, you know, like, oh, I'm going to charm your socks off in this interview. No, Embiid is, you know, he's gregarious. He's Embiid's got a big personality, right? Like he's trust the process. He's a troll on Twitter. We love Embiid, right? So we're, we're inclined to give him more benefit of the doubt, like especially, you know, he's a good quote in a press conference, which is why. I think people let him skate more than they let like Ben Simmons skate more than they let when I came out after game seven, because we were doing the Eastern Conference, um, Dylan and I were in 2021. I came out and I bashed Embiid pretty hard um, after that series. And I was like, listen, you need to understand this isn't just Ben Simmons's fault. Embiid didn't show up either. If Embiid's what he says he is, they would have beaten Atlanta. Right? Like, if he's, you know, I can't do it myself. It's not like he didn't have help. Seth, Cur- Seth Curry showed up in that game. Seth Curry showed up in that series. Um, and he comes out yesterday and he says, and people are posting the full quote. And the full quote does make it, like, a tad bit better, but not that much better. He's like, oh, I got to be better. James has got to be better. But it's not just the two of us. We got to play five on five. So they shot nine of 31 combined yesterday. Um... The team as a whole, let me pull up the box score because I, I had this memorized, um, but now I don't. So that's the Celtics box score. <laughs> um, they combine. So Harden and Embiid combined for, sorry, it's eight for 29. Still not ideal. So the rest of the team combined for 23 for 54. That's like 40 something percent. It's not on you. Tobias Harris, the guy who everyone maligns for not showing up, 7 for 13. Maxi, 5 for 12. Um, I'm sorry, those guys combined for 12 for 25 in a game 7? Two role players? That's on you. That's on the stars. 
those guys showed up. PJ Tucker, three for six from three. What more do you want? Your starters role players showed up. And it's, I'm sorry, he gets pass after pass because, again, he's so liked and beloved. He's never made the conference finals. Jokic always gets these playoff foibles, playoff foibles. And I understand, you know, I understand why, because he's so controversial. <laughs> and I understand why he's controversial. I'm not going to break that down here. But Embiid, I mean, 15 and 8 in a game, in a, like, a big-time game 7, four turnovers. That's the other thing, too. These guys had nine turnovers. The team as a whole had 12. It's on YouTube. It is on YouTube. Harden's going to just go back to Houston, fuck around, go to a strip club or two, and he's going to, you know, Embiid's going to be back where he was in 2021 when before Harden. And it's going to be like, wow, this guy has no help. He had help. I, I just, this was probably their best shot to win a t- championship. I don't know where they go from here. Um... I was really high on this team all year. Unless Maxi becomes like Harden, which there's a chance. He's got, I honestly think after this season, he's got sky high potential because what? He's 21. Um, Let's see. He's 22. He's turning 23 in November. So he's still pretty young. He's got pretty, I mean, what? This is his third year though. Yeah. So, I mean, 24 at the end of your rookie contract, that's not, Um, or 23 at the end of your rookie contract, that's not like, super duper old um i think that unless they think maxi is gonna be like harden reincarnate this is gonna be 2023 24 is gonna be a very bad year for the sixer it, it could be disastrous I'll, I'll wait to see how they pivot but man um anyway back to the eastern conference or western conference excuse me um I was so impassioned about the, uh, I was so impassioned about the, about the Sixers. I, let me, let me compliment the Celtics real quick too. Tatum, like I said, amazing. Horford's defense on Embiid. I don't know how he does it after all these years, but he really has something figured out about Embiid where he, um, he really hasn't figured out. And it's kind of crazy. But I, hey, you know, more power to him. Um, so, Lakers Warriors. I believe after I recorded the, I think the day I recorded the monologue, the series hadn't started yet. <laughs> so, game one, the Lakers won 117, 112. Game two, the Warriors won 127, 100. Then after that, things started to spiral for the Warriors. Um, game three, Lakers won 127-97. Game 4, Lakers won 104-101. Game 5, Warriors won 126-101. Then Game 6, Lakers won 122-101. Um, I, I mean, I could just give you two numbers, and you'll probably understand the difference in this series. And that's the free throw attempts. Um, it's literally double in favor of the Lakers. 160 for the Lakers, 80 for the Warriors. Now, you could read that one of two ways. You could be like, oh, the league rigged it for the Lakers. Now, why would they do that? The Warriors are clearly a bigger draw than the Lakers, even, even than LeBron at this point. The clear and obvious answer to me is that the Lakers are a much more aggressive team going inside, and they are a much more um, physical team inside. The Warriors, now let's look at another number. 
three-point attempts. The Warriors shot 263 threes in six games. Let me do some quick math here. Um, by my count, well, so 263, that's 43 a game. The Lakers shot 168 across six games. That is 28. Okay. Now, I'm not saying one way is the right way to win or whatever. Do what you got to do. Um, that being said, the Lakers clearly prioritized the inside. And the Warriors finally turned into the character of what Chuck has been talking about for all these years. Where they relied on that outside shot so so much okay and clay was a shell of himself um clay 38 percent from three but 34 percent from the field which means god <laughs> that's gonna do some that's gonna be a doozy of math so let's see 30 so it's 10 for 36 from two 27 percent from two um brutal stuff andrew wiggins Turns out not playing for two months affects your rhythm. He wasn't terrible, but not great. Um, they couldn't dominate the glass like how they dominated the Kings, right? So let me let me look at something. So they had 79 offensive rebounds against the um, Lakers. Against the Kings, how many offensive rebounds did they have? I'm going to guess it was probably at least double that. Um, that's how many the Kings had. 84. So I guess, okay, not that. They actually had about as much. But I guess I was wrong there. But it's still, it's like the Lakers absolutely demolished them. 214 rebounds to, okay, I guess 208. The point still stands. Um, inside, interior was totally dominated by the Lakers because the Lakers want to live on the interior. And that's the difference. And AD was on a whole other level in this series because AD, you could see it on the Lakers or on the Warriors faces when they would try to get inside and they would, um, and they would try to, what's the right way to put it? The Warriors would drive, right? And they'd see AD in there and they'd dribble out <laughs> because he's too intimidating in there. And it's not like the Warrior, the Lakers got like, you know, world beating performances from Russell. He was fine. Um, it's not like LeBron was prime LeBron. He was like he had 25 like but he was better than he was in the Grizzly series. But I mean, 25, nine and five isn't prime LeBron. Um, the Lakers just won it. Based on their depth and their, you know. It's crazy how like just little things swung the series, but. Lonnie Walker came in and swung a game. Um, Vanderbilt hardly pay, played in the series after, you know, being such a big impact player in the Grizzly series. Um, Malik Beasley, I thought was going to be one of the biggest additions of the trade deadline, hasn't hardly made an impact. It's been, honestly, Lakers' depth has been carrying them most of the way. And AD, of course. I think AD's been by far their best player. Now, has it been manifesting in scoring? No, but it's been manifesting like game six, right? Game six doesn't look like a dominant game from Anthony Davis, right? Like if you just look at the box score, what he had nine shot attempts, seven, 10 free throw attempts, 17 points, 20 rebounds, um, three assists, two blocks, two steals. 
you know, pretty good stats, but not like anything to die for. Um, but the fact that he controlled the inside, I mean, 10 free throw attempts, 20 rebounds, two blocks, two steals. I mean, those stats right there, those tell you all you need to know. And then LeBron vintage 39 and nine in game six. Um, yeah, man. And it looked promising for the Warriors. I'm not going to lie. I kind of bought into this. I kind of made up this narrative in my mind halfway through this year where I was like, oh, you know, Warriors will be the 95 Rockets, you know, low seed comes to win the finals back to back after, you know, after winning the year before. But I guess the thing I underestimated was the fact that they didn't add a Clyde Drexler. (laughs) Drexler was a... What's the way to put it? Drexler was like a key addition to that team where he added a little bit of scoring oomph. And that team wasn't really a six seed by the time they got to the playoffs. And this Warriors team was definitely a six seed. Now, they beat the Kings, but they only beat the Kings because of their, like, playoff intuition, in my opinion. Like, I don't think they beat the Kings. I don't think the Kings were... Honestly, I don't think they were better than the Kings, truthfully, knowing what we know now. I I wouldn't have said they were better than the Kings two weeks ago. Um, It was Steph Curry. I mean, literally, it was Steph Curry that took them over the finish line in Game 7. And it was Steph Curry and Kevin Looney. And Kevin Looney was kind of neutralized in this series. Um, I mean, Looney, let's just look, we could look at the playoff series on basketball reference, com- like compare them back to back. So in the King series, he averaged <laughs> seven points a game, 15 boards, four assists. In this series, he averaged six points, 11 rebounds, two assists. Basically, they neutralized him. Um, they made the Warriors go small. And the Warriors, like, they don't have the personnel. Right, in the past, the Warriors going small was, okay, we're going to put Andre Iguodala in the starting lineup. We're going to put Sean Livingston in the starting lineup. We're going to put Otto Porter in the starting lineup. Right? Otto Porter, Otto Porter's hurt right now. But, like, someone with actual size, right? The Warriors' response this year was, we're putting Gary Payton in the starting lineup. Gary Payton's a really good player. Don't get me wrong. But you weren't going to beat the Lakers with a 6-2 guard. No offense. It wasn't going to happen. And I think the Warriors didn't... Listen, if you re-signed Porter, it was going to be a disaster because he got got hurt, right? So hindsight isn't 2020 on this one. But I think my overall point is that we have to look at it like I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. It's like the Warriors of the past. I think they're getting away from what they did best. And truthfully, I understand Kaminga makes a lot of mistakes, but you put a lot of in time and investment into him this season. Why not go down with that ship? You know, why pluck Moody out of thin? Like Moody, I'm pretty sure played more minutes per game in the playoffs than he did in the regular season. Um, 13 minutes per game in the playoffs, 13.4. <laughs> Or 13 in the regular season, 13.4 in the playoffs. Yeah, I was basically the same, uh, but I was I was technically correct. Um, I don't understand why Kuminga got relegated to the bench. I think he honestly, there's two pass forward for the Warriors. OK, either you get rid of Draymond and Clay, which is probably I wouldn't maybe get rid of Draymond. 
I def- it's time for Clay to go. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know who would want him. How much? I think he has one year left on his contract after this. I think he has a player option, which he would be foolish. I dare I say foolish to, to yeah, or he has one year left on his contract. Um, I would try to trade Clay. I would try to um. I would put Moody in a spot. I think Moody is probably a better player than he is. The problem is, is that Poole isn't what they thought he was either. And I don't know what happened between last year and this year. I don't think getting the bag is what did it to Poole. I think the punch had a lot to do with it too. So I think you really got to choose between Draymond and Clay or Poole. I don't think you can have both of them on your roster next year again. I think really, I think it affected Poole. Poole had a good regular season. I mean, he held the fort down for the Warriors, but he's been really, he was really dreadful in the playoffs. Like, I, you can't deny it. Like, I'm not nearly the biggest pool hater out there. I'm not even probably the top six pool hater on our network, and I think there's just, like, six of us right now. <laughs> but I think it's, um... You just gotta call a spade a spade, man, and it's, it's tough watching Jordan Poole you know, brick shots after shot. I mean, so this playoffs, his stats, 34% from the field, 10 shots a game, um, 25% from three on five threes a game. He's not getting to the free throw line. And last year when he got to the free throw line, he was automatic this year. He's not automatic. He's making 76%. I mean, even in the regular season, he wasn't as automatic as he was last year. Now, again, you could argue that was due to increased volume, Yada, yada, whatever. Um, I think he probably needs a change of scenery at this point. I don't know if I'd want to be kept around in a place where I was punched in the face. Um, and it was made for gossip fodder. That's just me, though. At this point, you got to choose between the young guys and the old guys. I don't think you can do this thing where you're doing both anymore. I think it's untenable. And it's kind of predictable. It being untenable was kind of predictable. Anyone who was watching it was like, huh? I mean, we saw it in Boston, right? They tried to do this with Kyrie. And look, they, they kicked Terry, Terry Rozier to the curb. Not for him. But Terry Rozier was kind of a casualty of the Kyrie era. Where they shipped him to the curb because they're like, oh, sweet. We can do both. We got Kevin Walker. No. Now look at Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier would be perfect in Boston. If they had Terry Rozier instead of Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White. They might have won the championship last year. I don't know. But that's, you know, kind of the casualty of, oh, hey, we're going to bring in all these young talent with trying to compete now. And I, I just don't think it's personally tenable. I think you have to pick one or the other. And I think the Warriors got cute. I really do. And I think now they made their bed. I mean, they won a championship, right? But also, Kuminga and Moody were rookies. Um, Wiseman didn't play. Last year, it was pretty much a veteran team, other than Poole. I mean, really, they didn't have any playoff contributors other than... I mean, really, other than... So let's, let's look at the, um, the Warriors. And the Warriors' final stats, because... In terms of minutes played. Okay. So... Their top eight was Wiggins, Clay, Curry, Draymond, Looney, Poole, Porter, Payton. Okay, that was pretty much their rotation. Nary a young guy in there except Poole. 
all those guys are vets except Peyton, but Peyton's like an old young guy, basically. Um, Moody and Kaminga combined to play 19 minutes in that series. Toscano Anderson, who they summarily kicked to the curb last year, he's not even young, but he was young for that team. Um, he was he's not on the team anymore. He's in Utah now. Um, I just I don't think this team. They, that's a guy who they could have kept, by the way. That's a guy who would have been really helpful in this series. Is Montescano Anderson? The late he went and signed for the Lakers on a minimum. I was like, huh. I don't know why they didn't keep him. But hey, you know, I guess everything happens for a reason. Um, the Lakers are in the conference finals. I guess I should preview Lakers Nuggets now. Um, that one's gonna be a doozy. A rematch of the 2020 conference finals. Really, rematches all around. Um. I think I'm going to go Nuggets in six. JD also has Nuggets in six. Um, and here's my thinking. Okay. So we got a well-oiled machine in the Nuggets. They know exactly what they're going to do, exactly how they're going to approach it. And I'm not saying the Lakers are an unserious team because they're not. They, they take themselves really seriously, right? But they do kind of have a tendency to just say, okay, here's, we're not, um, again, it's not not taking it seriously. It's, we're gonna, um, oh, D'Lo's the hot hand today? Okay, here you go. Oh, Reeves is the hot hand today? Okay, here you go. Now, against the Warriors, it could work because the Warriors have a lot of weak spots to attack. But against the Nuggets, um, they're not going to have as many weak spots to attack. Jokic is going to pull AD out the paint. Let, let me see what JD said exactly. Um, JD said... JD said, first of all, he hates the Lakers. First and foremost. Um, and I agree with JD on this. He thinks they can keep AD out the paint. Which... That's going to be the key to beating this Lakers team. If you can keep him out of the paint and make him not be a rim protector, he's going to be a guy you can, um, you know, he's going to be a guy you can neutralize on defense to an extent. Now, because you can't guard him with a wing, you can't, I mean, he cooks AD in the post still. Like, the way the Lakers shut him down in 2020 was with Dwight Howard, who fouled the absolute ever-loving shit out of him every single time. I mean, Dwight used the most... I mean, how many fouls a game did he average in that in that series? I mean, it was something... I didn't even think he got called for half of those fouls. Let's see. Dwight Howard fouls. Um, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. 20 fouls in five games, and he played 100 minutes. So that means he played 20 minutes a game, and he fouled... He fouled basically once a minute... <laughs> in that series but he got his money's worth and he and Dwight at 35 was still one of the best athletes in the league I mean he's an incredible athlete one of the all I mean he's all-time great so it makes it stands to reason but the point stands um 80 isn't gonna do what he did to the Nuggets in 2020 I don't think well Braun isn't gonna do what he did to the Nuggets in 2020 the thing is the Lakers supporting cast is a lot better in terms of offensive Scoring wise, but I also think they're worse in terms of defense. Um, the Nuggets, 
also have a better supporting cast in terms of offense and defense. I think that leads me to pick wanting to pick the Nuggets. Um, so I think that leads me to making a third <laughs> separate finals prediction. Although I did pick the Nuggets, I think last time. Um, because I think last time I picked the Sixers. So Nuggets, Celtics in the finals, and I think I'm gonna go Nuggets and six again. And I, I think I picked the Nuggets last time too. Actually, no, I think I picked the Sixers because I said who comes out of the East is going to win the finals. Um, but man, Zach Griffith has been saying something, and I, it's been ringing true to me. I think he said it on the last um, Disgusting Brothers. Sometimes it's just your year, and it really seems like it's Jokic's year. Through like all intents and purposes, it just seems like it's his year, and it it's man, the evidence is hard to deny at this point, and I. The way he's been playing, the way he's just destroyed, the way he's just effortlessly destroying people right now. He's looking like an all-time great. He's looking like one of the probably five, ten best players in history right now, which is insane. If you, I would have told you that ten years ago, you would have looked at me like, or if I would have, not even ten years ago, because he wasn't in, like, he wasn't in the league ten years ago technically, but he was still in Europe ten years ago. Neither here nor there. If I told you his rookie year, by the time twenty twenty three rolls around, we'd probably consider him an all-time scorer, you would have laughed at me. You would have thought I was crazy. But now, he's unstoppable. He gets any shots he wants. What can't he do on a basketball court? And that, to me, is the difference between him and AD, him and a bunch of other players. So, I think I'm going to go with Jokic. I'm going to ride with Jokic. I think I kind of was skeptical, but now like I, I see the vision. And this Lakers series is going to be tough. The Celtics series will be tough. The Celtics getting past the Heat will be tough. This is going to be a really entertaining conference finals, I think. This has been a great playoffs. Compared to last playoffs, listen, I tried to sugarcoat it last year. Last playoffs sucked. (laughs) This playoffs has been, in terms of quality of games, in terms of, you know, quality of competition, in terms of upsets, this playoffs has been much better than last year's. And I appreciate it. I, for one, appreciate it. So... Um, make sure you check out the Running Hooks basketball coverage. Make sure you check out our um, succession coverage on Disgusting Brothers um, every Thursday or every Friday. Excuse me. Make sure you check out. Um, make sure you check out Insanity every Thursday. Um, they're going to be covering the East. Although now that it's uh, Conference Finals time, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to give him carte blanche to cover the Western Conference Finals because there's no point. The lottery is this Tuesday, so Caleb Lynn will be covering the lottery in depth for us. Um, I'll make sure you check that out. Um, make sure you check out all the other, make sure you check out facts and stats. Make sure you check out Reverend Peyton's big damn band. Um, thank you so much for listening and I hope y'all have a great rest of your day.